No fear. No political correctness. No wokeism. You're listening to Underground USA. Thanks for listening, downloading, and sharing with your friends. My name is Frank Selbottom. Before we get to this morning's segment on America's Third Watch with Kyle Warren, in which we discuss both how our federal government got to this level of dysfunction and a pathway to rectifying this serious issue, I wanted to point out a prime example of how the federal government abuses the taxpayers to its benefit. Do you know there is a taxpayer-funded White House medical unit, complete with a pharmacy, that ineligible people within the administration have been using for over a decade? Let me be clear. A free pharmacy in the White House allows those who have access to it to get free prescription and non-prescription medications. This abuse of taxpayer dollars occurred under both Barack Obama and Donald Trump and is suspected of continuing under the Biden administration. The White House medical unit is supposed to be a freestanding medical unit that tends to the medical needs of the president, vice president, and their families, and select, meaning a very small number of people, a select few staffers. A January 2024 report by the Department of Defense's Inspector General indicates that there has been a revolving door at the White House pharmacy. Quote, We found that the White House medical unit provided a wide range of health care and pharmaceutical services to ineligible White House staff in violation of federal law and regulation and DOD policy. Additionally, the White House medical unit dispensed prescription medications, including controlled substances, to ineligible White House staff, unquote. First, the Obama administration gerrymanders legislation that requires the American citizenry to pay for health insurance, including unreasonable pharmaceutical prices, which most often sees countries around the world paying much less than we do in the United States for that same drug. Then Republicans failed to repeal Obamacare in total even as they controlled both houses of Congress. Now we find out that free prescription and non-prescription medication has been doled out to White House personnel and beyond for over a decade? Wouldn't you like to go to a pharmacy where you didn't have to pay for your prescription medications? And maybe even bring your friends so they can get free prescription medication too. This is just another perfect example of how much contempt the federal government has for the American citizenry. The idea that the elected class serves the people is ludicrous. We have already transformed from a constitutional republic to a system of lords and serfs. The World Economic Forum has nothing on the feed of the taxpayer feed trough U.S. federal government. It is time, in fact, well past time, that we re-empower the individual states so that the government closest to the citizen is the one most easily managed and changed. Then we can dismantle the bureaucratic deep state one immoral, pathetic, and corrupt brick at a time. 
When we come back, this morning's America's Third Watch segments. You're listening to Underground USA. Did you know that Yopon is the only tea plant indigenous to the United States? Hi, I'm CJ, the owner of Emerald Coast Tea Company. We have a line of Yopon teas and Yopon tea blends that will open your eyes to tea that is literally made in the USA. Check out our entire line of teas at www.emeraldcoastteacompany.com. Honey, this ain't your mama's tea. Ticketmaster's parent company is going woke. They want you to forget about the ridiculous service and convenience fees they charge that nearly double ticket prices. Ticketmaster got caught hacking their competitor to keep customers from getting lower prices. And parent company CEO Michael Rapino laid off workers in droves while raking in millions. It's why Ticketmaster is one of the most hated companies in America. Michael Rapino, Ticketmaster, serve your customers, not woke politicians. They're funding abortions, demanding Americans comply with their woke climate agenda. They teach people that the U.S. is a system of white supremacy while stripping away your Second Amendment rights. A California Democrat? No. It's Bank of America under CEO Brian Moynihan. There's enough people pushing political agendas in America. Your bank shouldn't be one of them. Bank of America. Their lies start with their name. News, insight, passion. AM 930, The Answer. Well, folks, welcome to everybody listening on our flagship station, of course, Salem Media flagship station, which is AM 860, The Answer, in Tampa, Florida. Welcome to everybody, of course, on AM 930 as well, and across the GCN network, uh, wherever you're listening to us uh, this morning. All right. Well, if you have something you'd like to say this morning, 949-822-7959, that's the number to call. We're going to open up the telephone lines. If you have a question for Frank at the bottom of the hour, you can also send us a direct message in the meantime, simply by going to kylewarrenshell.com. Well, without further ado, let's go ahead and bring in Frank Solvato. Of course, he is from undergroundusa.com and author of the book, Nullification. Good morning, Frank. Mr. Kyle. <laughs> Well, it is Friday morning. Uh, there's a lot going on. And I got to tell you, I have been waiting for this moment to talk to you <laughs> uh, with with great anticipation because uh, of what's happening, for example, in Texas. This is really becoming a showdown. And the Biden administration seems to want to push everything over the edge, don't you think? Or what's, what's your take on this whole thing with Texas? Well, well, they, they want to have their cake and eat it, too. They want to be able to say, we're in control of the border. You can't say anything about it. And then we're not going to enforce the laws. You can't have it both ways. And what's happening now in Texas, and Texas is kind of unique because of the way that their constitution is written, because they were a separate nation before they joined the union. So like the please, Republic of Texas, yeah. Right. Exactly. So please, please keep that in mind, because... Um, it's not written like every other state's constitution. It gives them a lot of autonomy if, in fact, the United States defaults on their commitment to the compact. And that's you're starting to hear that language come out of Abbott's mouth 
that the compact is being broken between the federal government and the states. And it has. You can't legislate laws and then just choose not to enforce them when it comes to um, border security and the federal government. That's a job they have to do. It's one of the few that the Constitution actually actually points out that you must do. So with him not, with the Biden administration not enforcing uh, immigration law and securing the border, they are they're defaulting on their commitment to that compact. And that allows Texas to do, to defend itself. And that's exactly what Abbott said in his letter. Uh, the fact that he put down another, another layer of razor wire after SCOTUS said, yeah, the federal government can take it down. I love it. I love it because it is, it's raising the flag of the big middle finger to a, to a centralized, all-powerful federal government that has, over the years, eroded the sovereignty of the states. And that's, that's, we're, that's what we're seeing here is, well, you know, state, state governments are kind of inconsequential. They should pick up whatever the federal government doesn't want to do. It, that's actually upside down. The state governments are the ones that are supposed to be most potent because they're closest to the people, and the federal government's supposed to pick up the pieces. So this is a wonderful showdown. Oh, yeah. Well, well, exactly what you're talking about is so on target because uh, so many people have been sort of led to believe that uh, everything is at the national level, that the only thing that's important is what does the federal government think or do about things. And that's why it's always sometimes a little strange to hear presidential candidates, you know, or voters saying, well, I want to know what my presidential candidate will do about schools like in my area. <laughs> You know, <laughs> this kind of thing. And, uh, and so it, it, there is a disconnect believing that, you know, there's just the, the imperial, you know, sort of center, you know, to put it in Star Wars language, I guess, uh, you know, and, and this everything emanates from there. But you're right. And this is a great example. The federal government is important. It was created by the Constitution for very specific reasons. But it is is more. And part of that, I think, has to do with the advent of instant communication, mass media, stuff like that, because everything is a national problem in five minutes. Well, that's that's today. That's the way it exists today. Yeah. The problem started with the direct election of senators. No, no question about that. That's, that's when this whole, let's centralize the federal government started. Because with the direct election of senators, a smaller oligarchic group could say, let's craft legislation to do this. And there was no Senate to object for, for, the, for the sovereignty of states. The, the way this was set up, and I know I say it all, like ad nauseum, and people who listen regularly go, oh, he's on it again. But the House was supposed to be where the direct voice of the people was taking place in Washington. The Senate was supposed to be Two people appointed by the state legislatures who were looking out for the well-being of the state governments, period, dot. It was going to be a much less politicized chamber because their task was to represent the states in Washington. With the direct election of senators, that ended and political, the political parties took over the, the onus of the Senate. That's why we've, we've Republican, Democrat in the Senate. We were supposed to have that. It was my esteemed colleague from Illinois, 
or or Florida or California. And if mm. California didn't want Obamacare, the two senators said we're not voting for it and got up because it hurt the state of California. The history of this is so very important, but that's kind of what's lost so much. And that allows the Democrat Party elite, you know, the campaigns, what have you, uh, to try to just kind of fool people into believing that, you know, none of that matters or it's really just what they want right now. And uh, they, they really are trying to bank on the idea that people uh, aren't aware of the history of how these things actually came to be. Well, that's right. I've always found it curious in, in grade schools and getting into high schools that uh, the year runs out, the academic year runs out for each class uh, just as we start to study Reconstruction from the Civil War. We don't talk about contemporary U.S. history in, our, in these classes where you get into the Wilsonian era where all of this horrible stuff took place. Uh, this is this is the progressives. This is the progressive movement started started with Wilson, who was an academic, college academic president of Princeton. Um, you know, th- this guy never met an expert that didn't have a better a better wrench for the widget. So, <laughs> uh, you know, hey, let's if, if we have direct election to senators, people have more of a voice. But that's not the way it's set up. That's not the way the country was set up. So you're moving away from from the original form of the government that our framers gave us, we don't we don't have a government that resembles that now. We, we've got the the branches. We we talk about the executive branch and a legislative branch and the Senate and the House and and the Supreme Court, but we do not operate under the model that our founders gave us because senators are not appointed by the states. So you know, as much as we like to celebrate the framers and the revolution and everything. The Wilsonian people, the progressives, gave that model away. Mm-hmm. They, they, they sold the people on a bill of goods about having more of a voice in government, and then the states lost their rights to protect themselves. There was a wonderful check and balance beforehand. That's the way it was supposed to be. Government was supposed to move slow. But today, hey, we can ram through a trillion-dollar infrastructure bill that doesn't have anything to do with infrastructure, and and claim success because the media will cover it and people will say, oh, I guess I'm getting I'm getting some new blacktop this week. <laughs> right. Well, you know, there's also this notion that, you know, of a, an established political class, basically, at least in the modern era, you know, there's there's uh, you know, we, we always see the same names and people stay in, in office for 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 decades and decades, it seems, uh, or they're always the same basic uh, names that keep coming around. Um, and it's like nobody else is either showing up for this or they just don't want to because they, they don't like the microscope and, and they and they actually think uh, that they, they can never really be effective. So we're stuck with the Hillary Clintons and the, you know, and the, you know, the senators that stay there forever and that kind of stuff. You will have you'll see the fingernail marks scratching into the concrete where Hillary Clinton was pulled away from politics when that day comes. There's. <laughs> You know, she's not going to give up without a fight. She's still trying to be relevant. She's lost three times. This this last week, she was over over in Europe, talking to a foreign minister. Do you do you get to go talk to a foreign minister now? <laughs> no, nobody. But Hillary does. She gets to. She's a she's important. You know, people 
and Washington alluded to this in his farewell address. People confuse politics with government all the time. Politics is 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 the the, the art. And I'm speaking in general terms, of course. Politics is the art of getting elected, of cobbling together uh, ideological co- coalitions to get a, major- a majority or a meaningful minority. Government is just dull. Government is supposed to be, hey, you know, going to work to execute. Okay, going to try to figure out how to write this law. We don't even do that anymore. People, when you say politics, they think of government. And immediately, there is no difference. Politics is government. When, in fact, politics is supposed to be left at the door. I, I have to paraphrase, but in Washington's farewell address, he said, beware that political factions will be the downfall of the republic. And he was, he was warning about the political parties coalescing into this uniparty where they crafted laws to make sure they could stay in power, where, where they could gather more power, where they could... I'll, you know, go to go to the House of Representatives making six figures and and leave in fifteen years a multi millionaire. Yeah, did that, that math doesn't add up. Well, exactly, exactly. Well, what what do you think about the 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 depth of the division? Because right now, you know, part of the story is the division between uh, Nikki Haley and Donald Trump, for example, and where are these voters going to go if if Nikki Haley's not in the race? With you know, some don't want to vote for Trump, for example. But there's a greater division in the country that almost looks like it's two different countries because there doesn't seem to be a common set of circumstances or values that are the that are undergirding us anymore. It's almost like no, you just have to have total destruction, and that's what the uh, the left is really trying to do. They don't want to work with the right at all on anything. They just want total destruction. I guess Nikki Haley's voters could go back to the Democrat Party. <laughs> right. A lot you of people, know, it's right, according to these exit polls. Yeah. <laughs> a lot. And the big yeah. money donors. Arabella, the Arabella group is behind her. That's George Soros and the far left. They, they rub shoulders with, with Clinton and Obama. You know, look up the Arabella group and, and, and see who's behind them. That's the money that's behind Nikki Haley right now. It's really stunning. Uh, but to get to your question on the divide, that's the way they want it. If we're divided, we're arguing amongst ourselves. We're hating each other. And whenever that fire gets a little more controlled, they throw another crisis on the fire to make sure that we're screaming at each other. The fact is, every single one of us has more in common than we do indifference. We all want a good life. We all want to be safe. We all want to make sure our kids go to good schools. We want to make sure we have three hots. We want to make sure that we have we can own our house, own our car, advance our our families so that when one generation is checking out, the one that's now following up to take over is better off than the than the generation before them. We all want that. But on maybe a half a dozen issues, the, the political class makes sure that we hate each other, that we hate each other. And this way, they get to have solutions or they get to stoke the fire. And that allows them, now with the direct election of senators again, to craft legislation to make sure they get to stay in power and expand their power into your life. Well, you know, one of the things that, uh, by the way, was very well said indeed, 
But, you know, one of the things that's happening now is, you know, there was actually a question uh, to Governor Abbott in one of his interviews where they said, are you going to do something if the, uh, you know, the feds come in, quote unquote, the feds come in uh, and start cutting the razor wire? It, in other words, the, the, the essence of the question is, will somebody stand their ground or, you know, is there going to be a conflict as a result of that? And here we are. I mean, this is 2024. Uh, you know, to even believe that there would be such a confrontation should be unthinkable. You know, I, I've said this over the years when we've biorhythmed to the to the peak threat of of division because they really are flying very close to the sun with this. Uh, if in fact we get into a a, a conflict in the country, oh, uh, and I hate to say second civil war because that's. It, it brings images to mind. It's not going to be a shooting war. It, it's going to be a, a war of, of, of intellectual fortitude. Abbott doesn't need to do jack. The federal file lawsuit. Okay. If, if the a corrupt SCOTUS comes back and says, no, you, you have to let these people in and you have to have your cities destroyed by them. And the federal government doesn't have to do anything to help you because they just don't feel like it. Then nullify it. Well, nullify right. it. Yeah. That's what. Yeah. I, that's that's why I wrote the book. It's within the purview. The precedent is already set. California nullifies immigration law all the time because they have sanctuary cities. You were talking about the idea that you know if there is something that this that's happening that you know that is uh, you know controverts what the uh, what what the Constitution is set up to do or or is uh, detrimental to the states, you know, they can come in and they can do what's called nullification. And and in this particular instance, what Texas is doing is not technically nullification. They're simply trying to protect themselves in in the in the vacuum that the federal government has left. Would I be correct in that? Absolutely. Um, yeah. and, and if anybody wants to hear the debate or read the debate, I guess I can't hear it because they didn't didn't have audio capture back in the days of the founders and framers. Uh, read the Federalist and the Anti-Federalist papers. There's a long discussion about nullification in there, and they agreed that it needed to exist, but they were hoping that it wouldn't be something that happened all the time. This is the basis for the Ninth and Tenth Amendments to the Constitution, which pretty much say what belongs to the states belongs to the states, and the federal government cannot touch it, and the federal government has to execute their laws once they create them. So, you know, these things are codified. The, the politicians in Washington like to talk a lot about the Constitution, but they only talk about it when something is in there that backs their point of view politically or ideologically. So, right. you know, this nullification was meant for, do you have, is there tyranny afoot? As the federal government, are they bullying the states? Are they treating one state unlike another state? Because remember, everything's supposed to have an even hand. That, that's how little the federal government is supposed to infringe on the rights of the states. Their level of, of equal and equality and, and opportunity for every single state has to be the same, no matter the different demographics and, and natural resources of the states. So right now, you cannot tell me that Texas is being treated like, oh, I don't know, maybe Maryland. Well, you know, exactly right. And then, and then, of course, also, of course, 
Uh, the the other notion of trying to, and this is just parenthetical to what you're talking about here, but certainly trying to get rid of the electoral college is another way of trying to make sure that states don't really have a voice uh, this, in the picking of the of the president, for example. Absolutely. This is a continuation of let's have direct election of senators. It's it's getting away from the checks and balances because when the when the framers set everything up, everything had a check and balance. It was it was layered so that if one layer failed, the layers above and below it actually collased to, to compensate for that failure. The Electoral College is supposed to protect the, the minority right. That's why we're a republic. A democracy, like Nancy Pelosi and, and <laughs> Joe Biden like to say, is nothing more than mob rule. It means 51%, and we can do whatever we want. And we don't have to worry about the rights of the minority. A, repu- right. a republic, a, repre- a, a constitutional republic, protects the rights of the minority. And, and the Electoral College is integral in that. Yeah, well, indeed. And this is one of those things, and I know I brought it up before, I'm sure, but you know, when Hillary Clinton will say things like, well, we are moving towards one person, one vote. And that's supposed to sound so egalitarian you know no. but it's not it's actually tyrannical and she knows it she's got to know it just she wants everybody to hold up their little red book <laughs> and and don't question because she's oh so much smarter than you are and she loves the country so much more than you do that you just need to be quiet and trust hillary clinton i wouldn't trust her if she was the last breathing human being on the face of the planet, she's proven too many times who she is. Well, and, indeed. And that she won't go away, that's that's all ego right there. That's all ego. You know, you lost, you lost, and you lost. You know, so what? why should I want to hear from you? If you, yeah. if you if you can't win and, and, and rightfully take your mantle as a leader, or at least somebody on the leadership's team, why should I care what you have to say? <laughs> well, you're absolutely right about that. Tell you what, uh, we got a caller holding. It's Mary in St. Pete. Good morning, Mary. You're on with uh, Frank Silvato. Uh, I'd like to thank Arabella uh, and George. I thought you said Carabella. Uh, so, yeah, I think Arabella, that's because of the spark money aspect, all that, it just shows everything goes follow the money. Um, like, and also, very interesting that the textbook and all of the teaching uh, stops with the Wilson uh, era uh, in going towards history. People don't really know even before that. So we have a lot to up on i don't know if it can be done but thank you very much all right thank you mary and st pete yeah what do you think about that frank there she's got a point you know when you've got the teachers union which who are all every major every major city's teacher teachers union and then the nationals the two nationals the nea and and the and the aft they always vote lockstep with the progressives always so if you if you've got teachers who are charged with teaching US history comprehensively so we understand what our country is today yet they refuse to do it and it's not in the curriculum and and they back to this whole Wilsonian 
um, contempt for for the framers' model that they gave us, what should we expect? Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, of course, what people are taught, kids are taught now in school that America is based on evil. You know, it's it's, it's bad. It was always bad, and uh, you know, it's it's just terrible because uh, you know, I when I learned history, I'm sure when you learned history, we still learned it once and all. You know, I were under no illusions about things that happened in in our history. But it wasn't presented as though America is bad. Teacher, teachers were trying to fit it all in at the end of the year. But back then, and, you know, we're talking ancient history with rocks and sticks. Um, you know, back then, there was a reasonable expectation that your parents would continue that education in the home. Right. Exactly. Well, I'll tell you what, we got Neil in Henderson, Nevada, calling us up this morning. Good morning, Neil. You're on the program. Thank you again for putting me on, Kyle, and well, Frank. I just wanted to show you a couple of quick thoughts. I long for the days of the Bull Moose Party, founded by uh, Teddy Roosevelt in 2012. I think Teddy was on to something, but he got that this fight for the senator. I think that we're in 10th Amendment territory, and if the federal government refuses to enforce immigration law, okay, that falls upon state government. To defend their borders, their territorial sovereign borders. I think it's a no-brainer for the Supreme Court to decide upon, you know, a refusal to defend sovereignty of the United States is um, falls upon the federal government. The supremacy clause, Constitution. My understanding of the Constitution is that it is designed to be a restriction upon federal authority. It really is. All right, Frank, what do you think? Real quick, we've got about 30 seconds. Well, yeah, the, the Constitution is was designed and is created and its purpose is to restrain federal government, period. There is no other way to look at it. And he's right. We are in 10th Amendment territory. Every state government has the duty to protect their citizenship. That's their job. So if the federal government is delinquent in executing laws that keep the states safe, the states must act in order to preserve the safety for their citizenships. It's not a question of whether Babbitt wants to do this. He must. He must. Indeed. That's right. And uh, otherwise, he would be derelict in his duty. But Frank Silvato from UndergroundUSA.com, author of the book, Nullification, a great conversation this morning. We'll talk to you again on Monday, my friend. Stay low, my friend. If you like the podcast, subscribe, leave a comment, rate it if your platform lets you. Be sure to head on over to undergroundusa.com to sign up for our Substack, which comes straight to you, circumventing the censors and the fact checkers, because we both know that they're worthless, and that's been proven over time. And be sure to pick up your copy of Nullification, the case for decentralizing the federal government, available in Kindle and paperback over at amazon.com. You're listening to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato, and we will be back right after this. This podcast is a production of the Compass Point Group.